Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. All right, guys, we are sitting outside. We are doing a, a live in-person podcast, which we very seldomly get the opportunity to do, so I am more than thrilled uh, that we're sitting outside. Uh, this, is, this is the first live one we've done since COVID uh, has hit. Actually, no, that's not true. This is the second one because the last one was during COVID. So um, either which way, I am surrounded by a table full of killers, a couple couple canine uh, on, onlookers and some, some, some people here who are for – motivational support here emotional support and we are trying on t- uh saddles we're talking saddles we just did a, a one stick and demo we've had some friends bring up some sticks and show up their setups and we're at the the tallahassee teaching train which was an absolute blast I always enjoy being able to sit down with everybody and and talk about stuff eat some food swap stories it always seems like it's a good group of people but uh my name is walt i'm your host we're doing this joint with the hunt fish florida podcast so i guess technically my my, my co-host should introduce himself my name is taylor willis there it is all right i'll done podcast over <laughs> but uh no seriously it was, it's a good group of guys it's beautiful freaking weather it was supposed it was a 40 percent chance of rain as of last weekend which i mean literally bluebird skies the the wood the wood bees are, are zooming around us right now so if you hear that uh it just reminds you that you should have been outside not listening to this podcast but uh we're gonna do like a round table uh going counterclockwise introduce yourself sir adam glass from central florida outdoors there it is Taylor Willis, Huntfish, Florida. There it is. Brett Mashburn, Southeast Alabama. Resident Booner Slayer. Keep going. Nick Chandler, Heart of Florida. Outdoors. Chase Prince, co-host. Chasing Tales Outdoors. Hey, the face of Chasing Tales. He puts the chase in Chasing Tales. (laughs) So they tell me. (laughs) But, uh, dude, I'm glad everybody, some of y'all made a hell of a drive. I mean, you you took, it's four hours for you. It's four hours for you as well. I appreciate you guys coming up here. Brett, it took you, what, two hours? Yeah. Yeah, suppose you know not not quite as dramatic, but I still appreciate it. That's four trip, four hours round trip in a day for no deer. That's that's saying something. Um, I I just love the fact that we're all saddle hunters, especially you now, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, if my wife lets me use it. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Taylor's wife won a predator uh, predator platform phantom saddle, eight millimeter ropes, a Kong duck, and a predator pack. So uh, it was. It was exciting because I, I thought you guys were already into saddle hunting, but it turns out you're not. No, actually, uh, you know, we, we mostly hunt out of climbers, and she just got tired of carrying a climber in and, yeah. and got interested in saddle hunting. And obviously, you know, we have been Instagram friends for a couple years uh, through, you know, creating content about Florida outdoors. And she's basically the reason we're here, you know. Uh, I said I kind of got fed up with, with using a lock-on and said I, I'm, I'm interested, not sure if it's for me yet, but I kind of don't have a reason not to now did you try one uh, i've tried nicks yeah, yeah. we both think? have tried nicks uh i see the advantage i see why people like it i really do um there's a few more gadgets you got to take in with you but yep. i i can definitely see why it's such a big craze and i i mean i'm i'm definitely going to give it a try this year for sure good man i'm excited to hear that i think i think everybody at this table has has seen 
their deer hunting change because of saddles. I mean, it just it seems like it's a it's overworn. It has altered the game, right? Like it it, it is it, it is what it is, and it's an efficient way of getting in there. I think I miss my climber from time to time. I'm not going to lie to anybody at the table. I miss my midday naps. You know, I probably more deer's lives have been spared because I was asleep instead of hunting. But uh, you know, I don't miss it the moment it is or any time, which is nine months out of the year, in the 80s as the high and in the lows in the 70s with, with high humidity. I don't miss it at that point in time in the slightest. Yeah, the only reason I use my climber now is for gun hunting. Yeah. Gun hunting purposes, and it's cold usually right. during gun season <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah. And I it, I feel like it provides a little bit of advantage hunting out yeah. of a climber with a gun, just prop propping up-wise. Yep. And I can, I can get super high with my climber there's pretty much limitless unless some of these guys have naders and sweaters and everything else that they can get up uh, as high as they want but uh i feel like the uh, climber i can get 30 40 feet up sure be able to shoot a long ways with it as opposed to with the saddle uh, i've had some issues where i had to maybe try to freehand a deer and i can't freehand worth a darn so i'm uh, i'm not a fan long range shooting with a saddle no but i agree that's the only reason i use my climber now yeah for sure, I think that's the one major limitation is you're like a hundred yards and in with a with a rifle from the saddle. Mm-hmm. If you can For get sure. a good branch in front of you or something, yeah. you can you know get a good prop. But outside of that, it's you're you're kind of limited. So why don't we do this? Let's be let's be geared geeks for just a second. Go around the table and talk about what your setup is, and let's just see kind of how they're different. Like let's say thirty to forty seconds. Explain what your rig is, Adam. Uh, yeah. Uh, how. how what do you all you want you me to say? You have 30 to 40 seconds. Okay. Whatever I mean, you want to say. Uh, I what's, use your hot, pla- <laughs> what's your climbing method, your platform, and your saddle setup? I use uh, I use hot cut downs okay. and uh, Amsteel daisy chains on those. Uh, my platform is the uh, Solo Scout. Okay. Uh, I've enjoyed that, actually. Um, it's not for everybody, but I've enjoyed the Solo Scout. And uh, I've got a, a custom homemade saddle from uh, Mr. Harder Florida over here. There you go. Uh, I've been enjoying rocking that uh, last season. Yeah. Any aiders? Uh, just on the bottom step. Okay. I use a nylon removable, uh, tubular webbing, gotcha. sewed up, box stitched, all Good that deal. stuff. Yeah. You use a climber still, but you're going to make the yeah, transition. Summit, Summit Vipers, and uh, this year I bought a more of a mobile lock-on setup, so XOP Air Raid, I think, and I'm okay. running Hawk stock climbing sticks. That are that's about to change for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Those things suck right out of the box, in my opinion. Yeah. So me and Nick are gonna drink some beer and modify some sticks. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Hey, that that is some redneck engineering. But now I have a whole tethered setup thanks to you guys. So that's probably gonna go to her. I'm gonna let her use that, Aww. and then I'll, uh, I'll husband of the up, year pick up something. <laughs> she, I mean, she's the whole reason we're here, so she kind of deserves yeah. it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Brett. I'm running a Phantom Saddle and four Timber Ninja 20-inch C1 sticks with the built-in aider in them. And I also, from time to time, I use a, a sweater uh, paired with them to, to get up a little higher when I need to. And I'm also running the Predator XL platform with uh, tether ropes. There you go. And your pack is what? I saw you had a special pack. Uh, X2 pack. X2. What I'm running to haul all my gear in and also to pack out deer as well. I got you. Yeah, because you were. I'm going to touch on your style of hunting here a little bit because I think you do, you warrant a pack out like a frame pack for that for what you or do. saddle hunter. All this is new from started last year after coming up here to the tethered event last year in Tallahassee, and I was sold on it and went in and it definitely changed everything for me last year. Right on. Killed man. all five deer. Do you hear that? You hear the influence? Saddle. Does that make us influencers? <laughs> I mean, I'm the one that showed him how to use the saddle and everything. So, uh, <laughs> he says there's no we here, Walter. <laughs> he, he gave me all his luck. He <laughs> yeah. gave me a pat on the back. He, he grazed against me go. one time. Or yeah. <laughs> gave, him, gave him some luck. <laughs> you selling any of that luck? Or? Yeah. It's good for one season. I mean, you won the saddle, dude. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we'll bottle it up. We're going to start selling, selling little one-ounce beard, beard oils that, that Chase <laughs> hovers his hands over. And there you go. All right, Nick, what you some got? Sweat. Some sweat, yeah. <laughs> no, I use a, uh, a DIY saddle and uh, also a mo- heavily modified pair of uh, our set of hawk sticks, a tethered predator platform, and a, uh, what is the name of that pack? I put it all in the... Uh, Badlands. You got a Badlands, don't you? Badlands, Badlands, yeah. but I'm trying to remember the model. I think it's the Pursuit. 
No, it's the Super Day. Super, Super Day. Day. There you go. Yeah, that's basically my setup. Right on, Chase. I would tell you guys my setup, but it's probably going to change uh, this year. Well, I'm going to use – so uh, I've got the Phantom Saddle. Yep. I've been using the Hawk Heliums with uh, an Aider, Amstelator, that you made for me. Right. Those 18-inch uh, Aiders. But I'm probably either going to go with the Tethered One Sticks, or I like the Timber Ninjas – are great too. I mean, those two sticks are just right there together. They are so close. I mean, they're they're so close. So, yep. one or the other there. I, I got the same pack as Brett, the Everly Stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it because it, for taking the camera and all that jazz that I started doing this past year, uh, it definitely uh, makes it a little bit easier. Everything's more organized. Yeah. Uh, I use the Predator, the small one, but after seeing the XL, I never mess with the XL. I might switch over to the XL this year. I can see that. I'm running the Phantom. I'm running a backpack that's going to change. So, I mean, I'm not even going to say what I'm running there because I hate the one that I used last year. Um, probably going to run the Mystery Ranch pop-up, something in the pop-up series. Um, original Predator, I don't much care for the XL. It just seems too big. I got hot, tiny little Hobbit feet, so I don't I don't need any help there. Um, and then I'm going to alternate between the Timber Ninjas and the, the Tethered ones. I think for anybody who's listening to this right now and they've considered those two options, both of them, I think everybody at this table would agree, both of them are phenomenal options, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're for both. Sure. I don't think you can go wrong. Super light. Price is almost the same. Uh, there are some minute differences. I draw the line on them, and I tell people, if you want a mobile aider, Use the tethered ones. If you like the idea of a built-in aider, use the Timber Ninjas. Mm-hmm. It's really, to me, the only like good, clear delineation between the two systems. They just do different things. Mm-hmm. Chase, I got a question for you. What is your attachment method on your Hawks? Did you rope mod them, or are you still running the buckle straps? I use those daisy chains, mm-hmm. Amstel daisy chains that come from tethered. And are you still using their button, their Versa button or whatever, or did you change that? The ho- The... For the hawk, yeah, yeah, it fit. Yeah, okay, it fit around them. Yeah, they were, they were just fine. I do like those. Did yours have the button? Yeah, mine's yeah. got the button. I, I'm, they're right out of the box. I haven't done anything to them, but I bought, I bought uh, lone wolf versa buttons and and some eight millimeter rope to to change that up because that that was frustrating. Yeah, that was frustrating. Yeah. I didn't did not like their straps at all. Not you know not talking crap. I just they, sure. they weren't for me. Mm-hmm. They were not. For I don't me. think they're yeah, for yeah, anybody. Yeah. No. 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 No, those buckle straps. Mm-hmm. No. Tagged out. <laughs> 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 One beat they had a tennis player. player. <laughs> <laughs> He's tagged out. I did play tennis. I, um, think, I think the helium straps actually weigh just as much as the tethered one and timber ninjas combined. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. about that. I couldn't believe how light those sticks were when that guy. Did anybody catch that guy's name? Anybody know? The gentleman that brought yeah, the tethered ones. Oh crap! It's on the it's he on has the a sheet. sweet beard, by the way. He first did off. have a sweet like, beard. Uh, he, he, he might have surpassed yours oh, yeah, a little bit. Absolutely, he might have. Yeah, for but sure. I could not believe how lightweight they were. It, really it's couldn't. unreal. It is. It, it, really, it really is. is. And the difference between them is again, it goes. You can't really compare the two. One's a 17 inch stick. Yours is a 20 inch stick with a built in aider. Sure. And the difference between the two is a half pound. I mean, right. but then you're going to have to factor it. I mean, it's. I love them both. I could see myself using both and being happy with each. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, with the Timber Ninjas, the one good if you don't like modifying anything, you don't have to modify anything on that. I have the box with, ready right. to hunt. With the tethered yeah. ones, you're gonna ha- you're gonna put some of the self stripping and stuff yep. on there. You're gonna have to get whatever aider you want to use with them yep. as well. So they're. I, I, yeah, I think toss I th- a coin. The the <laughs> stealth stripping component to it is kind of a. Almost like we shouldn't even include it in the dialogue, largely because we know everybody in the summer when they don't want to be outside but wish they were, is getting on there and buying still stripping and putting it on their stuff. Are you going to still strip or are you going to leave them like they are? No, I'll leave mine like Really? That. They sound like rattling They're, box, I'm, I they're with super them. quiet. I played with them. Yeah. yeah. And you can hit them on each other and they don't. They sound like, I heard somebody tell me this the other day, you know those plastic antlers you get at the store? Yeah. You mm-hmm. can rattle like them. They sound rattle. like a little rattle. If you take the, the cleats on uh-huh. and hit them together, that's kind of what they sound like. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe maybe you're right. I I would think most people would, you know, because Nick's not going to leave his sticks alone. You saw his Hawk Heliums. Yeah, but you know, he took a bandsaw to it and put his name in it. They, look <laughs> they, they got rubber coating. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the rhino rhino liner on. That's what's on them. So I think Brett, you're the only person that hunts uh, st- on the on the podcast right now that hunts a state outside of Florida primarily. Uh, being Alabama, uh, you kill real deer, so you get to hunt real deer. <laughs> My question for you is, you come from Dothan, because this is now your second time listening to Florida uh, hunters gripe, second time dri- driving through Florida country. How does this area 
differ from where you normally hunt in Dothan? I would say a lot of everything out here looks the same. There's no defined, like, big transition lines. The understory is super thick, just mm -hmm. everywhere. It all looks thick and a lot, pretty much the same, besides just little oak hammocks here and there. Where in Alabama, there's defined transitions and defined, like, creeks and hardwoods versus pines versus cutovers and fields. Kind of got a variety of stuff. Do you feel like your your talents would... Because you're a very talented hunter. I'm not going to deny that in the slightest. I made jokes about it. You're a resident killer. Chase obviously is uh, is as well. But um, do you think you could take your skill set from Alabama, apply it here, and it would it would be relatively seamless, or do you think it would be different? I think it would be different. It would probably take, I'd say, three or four years to start getting used to how to deer act here in Florida versus gotcha. there. I think that's a very honest Yeah, that's answer. what I tell everybody yeah. who's – starting hunting for the first time especially in florida i'm like you're gonna at least got to give it three years before yeah. you're gonna start getting stuff figured out because mm -hmm. if not then you're just you're gonna go home you're gonna be disappointed and you're you're gonna give up after your first year you got to give it at least three years start figuring things a little mm -hmm. bit of stuff out you may you may get lucky and shoot a deer on your first because sometimes it's just luck i mean you yeah. just go set up in an area sure, right. and you're like why is there a deer here mm -hmm. you shoot one but i think it, you got to give it at least that three years three to four years of constantly being out in the woods constantly scouting and, yeah. and trying to figure out, okay, it, and you got to kind of pattern the deer because it seems like they kind of shift some. They kind of got what bigger ranges for mm -hmm. Florida that you kind of got to figure out and yep. stuff and just figuring out, okay, I know in October they're probably going to be over here. November they may transition over mm -hmm. here some, and you got to constantly be on the deer as opposed to like where Brett's talking about, like you can kind of set up in them hard transitions and deer, they, there. they're funneling through yeah. there most of the time. Well, and I think you do also find some of those those pockets of deer that are there every year, too. Yeah. Nick was on the podcast, and he was talking about how there's this swamp in Ocala National Forest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was this That's why I send everybody there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we normally try to do. Um, but you, ha you talked about that swamp, and every year you can count on there being a certain yeah. degree of deer activity. Yep. Does it ever really ebb and flow, or is it pretty consistent? Pretty consistent. Yeah. I mean, you can count every year there's a certain scrape in a certain spot every right. single year. Right. In, in multiple areas, but, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you do have those pockets that move, but there are some that every year, same thing. And I think I think what's unique about those areas, when we take the whole dialogue into effect, what Brett's talking about over there, about um, defined areas. The area you're talking about mm -hmm. is very defined. It's right. it's it's a, it a, it abruptly changes, and that that funnels movement. And I think your observation is accurate. I mean, a lot of this stuff is just one big monoculture of. Mm -hmm never-changing habitat that doesn't – I think it would be different if it was all like this and then there was good food because then yeah. you'd have good browse, you'd have more deer. Mm -hmm. And so those those dense pockets start to swell a little bit and those ranges start to overlap a little more and you run into deer. I think one of the biggest things I see in the difference between here and 30 miles north in, in Georgia – almost identical habitat around uh, you know in those counties it's sandy soil it's not very great, great for agriculture maybe a touch better admittedly but the deer population because that that slight different nutrient load is through the roof mm -hmm. and so you everywhere you go there's deer sign everywhere you know and i think that's kind of something i don't know that florida can even really truly address i don't know how you address that um maybe more burning better timber management i, I don't know but we'll see so, Brett, how, how did your deer season go this year, man? You, we haven't had you on the podcast before, so I'm going to kind of try and keep you – give the floor. And then, Taylor, you had a very eventful deer season. We're going to transition over to you, sir. Really? <laughs> My 2020-2021 deer season was phenomenal. It was the best one I've ever had. If I ever have another season like that, I'd be very fortunate. Starting your own podcast, <laughs> <laughs> the mass burn way. You'll have another season like that. Yeah, just because you think that it was your best ever doesn't mean it was your best ever. That's yeah. why you keep going hunting. You you hunt hard and you scout hard. That was not luck. I mean, you're part of our Patreon group, and 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 it seems like every day it's like just as you clock in in the morning, Brett's out there like, "Hey, I found 13 sheds today, and check this one out. It's 60 yeah. inches on one <laughs> side." Yeah, while. no. <laughs> but but seriously, how did how your season started? Really getting hot in Missouri, right? Yes, I, I visited Missouri in 2019, 2020. Had some good encounters. Actually, shot a deer and lost up there, and changed my setup some. A little heavy railroad and. 
this year I went up there and got in the same tree I sat in last year on the exact same date. And the first morning, first hour of daylight, ended up shooting a 140-inch deer in the, near about the same spot. Mm. I was able to recover this one. He only went about 100 yards. Was that the one you sent me on, on Facebook? The big, big wide one? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. It was in a uh, bean field. field. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big deer. It was grown. Mm-hmm. And well, then, yeah. Go I ahead. was going to say something that Brett has kind of talked back and forth with me about is the area he's hunting, he's been hunting it for about 13 years, but right. he said the last three years he's like solely focused on that area alone and really? just put in yeah. most of his time in that area. That's and I think that's probably yeah. been a big part of it is the that particular management area he's just went all in on. Really? That area and really dove in and broke it down and he's starting to get stuff figured out, which I think is helping him with the success he had this past year. You sold out on 1WMA. 1WMA, I was trying to hunt too. And I listened to somebody on a podcast talking about pick out like a square mile and learn that square mile, make it yours, figure out the deer, and then start expanding from there. And just so me going all in in one particular place on this WMA, just I'm not sure exactly how many acres or if it's a square mile, but I've just went all in for three years now. And the stuff I know about it now, I know when certain doe groups are coming into heat. I know what time of the year the bucks are going to be in certain areas because of the does. I've seen when the fawns are born. I'm able to put that with what I've seen during season and plus other pictures and can, can confirm when they go into rut in certain places. And just really diving in deep, and I kind of know what areas to hit at certain times of the year. Mm. And I know where the transitions are between doe bedding areas where the bucks are going to be more likely traveling to check them out and you're almost treating your wma like a lease yeah like truly like i think a lot of people who have leases they don't go scout in other spots every weekend they go up there they check their food plots they go they do their scouting i i don't know of too many people i've ever heard of except for some of the locals who hunt some of these wmas around here that are quota um selling out like that and that's interesting because i think maybe i even accidentally stumbled on that last year when i went up to georgia i hunted that one parcel every weekend and i scouted it throughout the summer i identified it as good and then i just i kept pouring myself and one of the things i was talking about doing this year was was putting more cameras in that area how long do you think it took you to because you said last year i know but how long before you really felt like you were starting to um connect the dots is over his simplification but started to really feel like it was paying dividends i believe the second year the encounters i had on bucks in the second year i come that close to having the same season i did this year last year okay i could have maybe got a shot on one or two of the really nice bucks i've seen they just got me by a little bit right and it was really at that point that i realized that i was on to something i didn't focus a little more into it and stayed out of the area to the time was right this year it's like my third time being in there when i killed that buck this year in one particular area so you and so i had a shooter buck the first day i went in there Gotcha. Couldn't get a shot on second. Didn't see nothing in the third time. Was the charm. These areas that you were staying out of, did you, did you know if other people were already in there? Uh, I have a suspicion that people pass through there. I don't necessarily think they hunt it. Gotcha. But I do think they pass through there. Because the idea of like leaving an area alone gives me anxiety on public land. Same. Like if I know, Same. you know, I mean, Same. just because you know, you come stumble along and hunt it, and I've left it alone all season. And if I don't know that, that buck may not be there. But, right. I mean, it sounds like it's... Well, there's some other factors that go into me knowing that as well. Being that the places that I hunt, now that I went to a saddle, I hunt places that I couldn't hunt before. Gotcha. There are places that you can't get a climber. Or, um, mainly climbing stands, you can't get in there. Okay. I got you. So, you, so the saddle opened up. It opened up places to hunt. Now I can pick the tree I want to hunt. So gotcha. What I could. So I had in, inherently, hunt. you knew there are other people probably not hunting those areas because the areas were so difficult That's to hunt. Right. I got you. I got you. So do, you. so do you think your, I guess I won't say your hunting style. Well, no, it is your style. Do, do, has your approach to where you want to hunt also shifted in that timeline as well? Like, you know, you did your on-the-ground scouting. You sold out to the area. Did that tell you you needed to hunt that area? Or did you get into saddle hunting and say, 
ooh, now I can. Does that make sense? That's exactly right. I got in a saddle hunting by now. I had a place where I killed my first buck in Alabama um, from being back in mm -hmm. Missouri. There was a place I've looked at for years. I'm like, I wish I could hunt back here, but there's nowhere to, to get in and hunt. And now that I have a saddle, I found a tree that was is extreme lean, and there's no way you can get in it with a lock on or anything else. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting in this tree and sold out to all day sit there and end up shooting a buck at like 4.30 in the afternoon, coming through looking for does. That's pretty sweet, man. And it's a place I've always wanted to hunt. You just I just previously couldn't hunt it. And you can't necessarily set on the ground because it's so thick Right on the ground. You have to be elevated. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of spots like that. Chase, you and I talked about that in Georgia last year. As I found there's a lot of spots that ground hunting would be ideal if they were to roll a burn through there, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to be up, but you don't necessarily really want to be. Right. Um, how, so when you sold out, you've, you've been hunting this area for years. When you sold out to that area... You already had all this knowledge. Did you go in and reaffirm what you already know? How did you? How did your scouting change? Well, I think at the same time of that, I was becoming a better hunter, listening, started listening to podcasting, and my thought process on deer had changed a lot in the past three years versus hunting the pretty woods and open woods and now trying to get into thicker stuff and get in where the deer are so they're sitting in the prettier, more open places and easy places to get to. So at the same time, my style of hunting changed in the mm -hmm. way I scouted and all of it. and It just all come together basically at the same time. Right. You said you were listening to Chasing Tales Outdoors and Hunt Fish Florida for that information, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like that. Maybe not so much the second one. I need, I need to dub in I need to dub in some like real awkward voice. We said, I started listening to podcast Chasing Tales Outdoors. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's interesting. I I wonder if because Dan Infault touches on some of that stuff. He he says that he he'll so thoroughly scout an area that he'll write the whole thing off. Right? Is that way? Is that well? Where? There's something I use from listening to Dan too was how he goes in and he hits different spots of the bedding area and go go to one spot of the bedding area. If you don't have luck, move. So I was hitting like just say 150 yards. I'd set up by a bedding area and I go 150 yards down. When I started popping around doing that last year with this, the 19 and 2020 season with a mobile lock-ons when I started going mobile, um, that's also my ratio of seeing bucks just went way up. It started using thermals and wind and start moving all around the bedding areas, hitting spots that I've not hunted before. Gotcha. So you're hunting bedding areas? Well, I hunt in transition lines what I believe is bedding areas. I gotcha. Alright. The deer kinda can bed wherever they want to. Yeah. Back home and I believe in certain situations they're bedding in this particular places on rainy gotcha. days and stuff. What were you gonna say? Yeah, I'm just he's not hunting buck beds, he's hunting bedding areas kinda yeah, like it could we be, would hunt here. Cause right. Buck right. beds could yeah, yeah, be yeah. any deer because right. deer's move 300 yards that way, 400 yards that mm -hmm. way. It still looks all the same like we mentioned, so it's not really any identifiable. Just, okay, that's that 160 inches right. bed. He beds here on a northeast wind every yeah, time yeah, yeah, type yeah. deal. Yeah, and we noticed some of that when we went to North Georgia this past weekend, and uh, we I went to North Georgia and hunted, and we're coming down this fingertip ridge, and I found rub, 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 and there's a trail going down, and I looked at my little brother, and I was like, there's a bedding area near, and then I looked to my right, and there's a depression. And I'm talking like the mountain does this, and there's like an eight-inch depression where that deer is sleeping in that same spot day after day after day, and there's hair all through that bed. Um, and at dawn, I was like, oh, man, this is what, like, Dan Infall's hunting, you know? He's like <laughs> right. Jake Bush, who we've had on the podcast before. Yeah. This is what he's hunting when he gets to that. And I think for Southern listeners, a bedding area could be 100 square it could be uh, five, yards. six acres. It, it could be five, be, six acres. It could be right. 50 acres. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, so just, you find it's just, it's just bouncing around the outskirts of mm -hmm. it on the transition line. It just bounce around using the wind right. somewhat to your advantage and just bouncing around and figuring out what part they're, they're walking in and out and using the most. Have you found, because I feel like I'm on the cusp of something myself, have you found a certain type of vegetation they really prefer to bed in? 
I would say no, but there's two different types I find that the deer seem to gravitate to, as in like a cut over and maybe some thick planted pines. I got you. There, there's a, I'm trying to identify it in the Seek app on my phone. The plant identification won't tell me what it is. It's some kind of privet looking thing. It's not privet, um, but there's some kind of privet looking bush that's around here. And whenever there's like a like 30 yard circle or patch of this or bigger, I bust deer out of it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. And I, and I noticed it the other day. And when you get in there and you, you like you get down to where a deer is, there's like this much room of their eyesight they can see. Mm-hmm. And they can see underneath all of that. But they can also, because it's like, it's it's got a lot of like really small little like privet looking like leaves. You, they can slip out of there without making any noise, too. So it's not like they're making a whole bunch of ruckus when they leave. There's a bunch of that by my father-in-law's house, and every time we pass by, I see deer in there. I see beds in there. I see stuff like that, and I'm trying to, like, find more of that around here because it feels like maybe that might be a pattern. But I found it on this WMA. I found it in places, and now I found it on my father-in-law's place, which is on the south side of the lake, and maybe it's lake-specific. Sure. Um, but if it's not, <laughs> I'm going to sell a book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's going to be one line, one page. It's going to be 300 pages, but it's going to say the same thing over and over. Hunt, hunt this bush. Um, but it's some people some people swear they're like um, North North Alabama. Find privet. You find a bunch of privet in an area, they'll bed up around it because they can eat. They don't have to move. They've got security cover. Makes a transition line also. It makes a good transition line. Um, mm-hmm. Not edible, but in North Georgia, um, what's that big bush they've got? It's got big leaves, big thick stems. Oh, hellfire. Mountain laurel. Mountain Laurel does that all the time, and they'll make a big bedding area, and there's guys who have written articles from back in the 80s, and they will find a, a worn-down path that runs through that bed, that Mountain Laurel, and they basically will have one shooting lane, and they'll just put their rifle on their stick, and they'll sit there just like that all day long, and sure enough, when that deer walks out, he, he hammers them. But uh, what else did you learn last year, man? T- t- talk to us about that Alabama season. We talked about Missouri. Then you came back home. He runs a lot of cameras. You yeah. do run a lot of cameras. How many is a lot? I would mm, anywhere from probably six to eight. It's kind of what I've been running on one WMA. Yeah, on on one one area. One oh, area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How big of a block do you think you're hunting? Thousand acres. Hey, your buddy's saying no. It could be bigger than that. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. Well, yeah, my core area. Wait yeah. a second, wait a second. This guy knows where you hunt? <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's, a, he's, a drag a deer he's the only he one I trust to go in and help me give him a deer. <laughs> he was blindfolded. <laughs> but he twisted his ankle, so he let him. He let him <laughs> I made him delete all next before he started walking in there. Yeah. <laughs> Damn tick, but, man. I mean, it could be yeah. like 500 acres to 1,000. Okay. Wow, Easily. so you're like... I mean, I, I, I scout the whole area. I mean, since seasons went out, I, I've logged uh, 52 hours already in uh, postseason scouting. In this one area? In this one area, yeah. Okay, let's 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 talk about this for a second, though, because you kind of have to... You got to... Hold on. You hunt a lot. Eh, I hunt I hunt pretty much every weekend, and when, I, when I'm not on overtime at work, I get to hunt two days during the week. Okay, well. so a minimum of two days worth of full hunting every week. Yeah. And you dedicate it all to that one small block of timber. Mostly. Mostly. I have, I have one other little spot I go to because I've, I've hunted it a long time ago, and I know that area pretty well, too. Every once in a while, I'll switch it up. Do you feel like it has negatively impacted? Like, have you seen deer d- movement decline? Because you put, cause my first thought is, good Lord, difference being I couldn't wait that long. But now what you're saying, it's like my thought. My immediate thought is stay out of it till it's right, but you put a lot of time into it. So No, I mean, I bounce around a lot. Like, I might go to one spot, and I might not even go back there the rest of the year. Um, I have I have certain places that I do hunt multiple times, mm-hmm. but I got clean access. Gotcha. Good way to get in and out. And then I have other places that I'm, I'm still poking and prodding and trying to figure out more coming in different areas of the same general place and just hey, maybe find something that's even hotter during season. So sometimes I'm going to places and maybe throw one or two sits at it and I might be moving somewhere else and wait until my other places I know when the, when the time mm-hmm. gets right and then places, then I go to them. But in the meantime, I'm, I got I'm you. bouncing around. 
So year three, what's this going to look like for you? Because now, I mean, I feel like you've mastered that area. Year four of doing of selling yeah, out. Th- this past year was year three. Okay, so this will be year four. So what are you going to do now that you've you've kind of dominated this area? I know you said you're starting to spread out. Are you going to add like? Do you have plans to add another WMA block to it, or just another block of the same WMA? No, I, I just plan on expanding my area because I have a few deer that have showed up, and my goal this season is to find their core area. I have gotcha. a few deer I know, but I have a few deer that are just hammers, just good ones and right my goal is to go find them before season this year i got you expand my area just a little bit so it's an all-out sellout on this on you are completely sold out to this yep. spot that, i mean it makes sense man i can't argue with the results i'd love to be like oh don't do that but i mean <laughs> killed it killed some great deer yeah, it was tough i i didn't want to do it but I, I knew in the past when i spent all year hunting this certain wma I always had a chance at a at a nice deer so i said well i'm going to try it for the first year and it was okay and the second year started really hitting home and the third year grand slam mm. yeah it's gonna be hard to live up to 2020 season man yes it is that was that was a banger season for you chase you got any other follow-ups on that on that tactic no i mean i like it i do too i mean if you find an area that's constantly producing deer why why would you leave right. it i mean it sounds like you found something deer, that works right? I mean, yeah. yeah, especially in a. I mean, Alabama is a little bit better than Florida, but it's not a little. It's not. It's not like <laughs> Iowa or right. Missouri it's or something tough. like that. You have I to mean, put in the legwork and yeah. the man hours. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's putting in the time and he, he's not relying on luck. Yeah, no, no. So he, he I like that. I, I think in Florida you'll have to take what he's doing and make the space bigger. Just because we th- we all I think at the table agree that the ranges of Florida whitetail are larger than most other states, just from a nutritional standpoint. Right. So I think that area probably would end up being bigger. But the whole time he's talking, I'm I'm thinking about selling out to those two smaller units that I hunt up in Georgia, and just I've got 26 trail cameras that I've got ready for this year. And uh, well, I was I was planning on covering more area, right? I was planning on covering this WMA, some other WMAs around this area, just in case I find it, you know, get a good buck on camera. Um, but I might just freaking, because I've got a hundred, I don't know. I mean, he was 80 inch plus big eight point, right? In Georgia, that one I sent you. Yeah. He was wide. Yeah, he was a decent buck. Um, and I know there's more quality, there's more up there. So why not go ahead and sell out to those areas sure. and, and maybe pay Brett to come scout him with me, <laughs> put, put, put some gas money in the tank and, and, uh, but not nah, that seems we like can a, do it. a no-brainer. <laughs> I love walking in the woods. <laughs> yes, you do, dude. Yes, Fifty plus hours scouting already. Season just ended like two weeks ago, too, because it's, it's yeah, it ended in February. <laughs> yeah, well, some of that shed hunting, right? Are you counting your shed hunting with well, that? Well, yeah, I'm scouting. Right, but when I'm scouting, I'm finding sheds in the process. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fun. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, finding sheds. I mean, Florida's is not really a shed hunting state. I found <laughs> no. my first one this turkey season. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it was a big. Oh, is that the one you posted? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah that was that it's was not respectable. A huge deer, but it's nice yeah. deer. I definitely shoot the crap out of them. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, there was a, a fella. Um, the last guy to leave. What was his name? Oh, Taylor. I no, did. I don't remember. But anyways, there, there was a fella here that was uh, talking earlier, and there's a guy from Michigan. Poor guy got stationed down here, and uh, <laughs> he's like, "So, uh, the deer hunting in this area? What's what's it like?" I was like, "Where are you from?" He's in Michigan. Said, okay, well, if you see a legal deer, you probably should shoot it. Yeah, he's like, don't hesitate. And he just kind of like does like the 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 Stewie Griffin, like <laughs> I don't know if I can. And the other guy came up and he's like, yeah, dude, uh, let me show you a really respectable deer. And it's like a like a basket rack, mm-hmm. you know, a little eight yeah. point. And I was like, dude, first and last tag. And he sure. looked at me like this. I'm like, where, I don't know where you're hunting. There might be better potential. But I can tell you right now, first and last tag, that Joker's getting hammered by oh, yeah. me. End of story. <laughs> And all um, the other ones in between. Yeah, and all the ones in between. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, I should have told him to buy some HD glass so he could identify that third point. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor, let's talk about your season, dude. You you sold out hard to scouting this year. I've never seen a Florida dude publicize his scouting efforts to the degree that you did. Um, you worked really, really hard. You hunted even harder. I think you hunted beyond, well beyond when I did and most other people, Florida guys – what, what did you see from those efforts this year? So <clears throat> I've got a couple of mentors, uh, good buddies of mine. One of them is in our area just known as a stone cold killer, has been hunting. Uh, Adam and, and Nick both know him. He's 
been hunting public land around us for probably somewhere around 25 years. Um, and he's not that old. I mean, I think he's mid-30s, so, I mean, he started hunting really young. Um, he's taken me under his wing, and uh, he scouts a lot. And, I mean, that I trust what he says about deer hunting to the degree that if he told me to climb this tree in a Santa suit and sing a song, that I would do it, you know? Um, so I started just putting in as much time as I could scouting and trying to run more trail cameras. Um, I work a job in which I can pretty much get out every day if I want. Uh, I work nights and a lot of days I will either hit the woods after work to either check trail cameras or check a new area or, uh, you know, if I can get out and hunt and, and the conditions are right, I'll, I'll, I'll do that as well. Um, just to be totally honest with you, we didn't kill nothing. Um, we didn't kill a single deer, but had multiple opportunities um, blown by myself. Uh, my wife got to see her first deer, made a shot on her first deer. Unfortunately, it was a clean miss, but it happens. Or fortunately. Know. Yeah, well, sure, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the opportunities were good. I mean, you know, I, I did hunt a lot. I, I, I don't know exactly how many days I hunted probably 40 you know um which is a lot to have no meat in the freezer you know mm -hmm. but at the same time chase you said it yourself you've got to give yourself several years and and i've only been do <clears throat> excuse me i've only been doing the public land solely thing for for probably i'd say two and a half seasons really so i've got a lot to figure out and uh i i think honestly scouting as much as you can even more than you hunt in in this state is is really the key to success yeah there are people like you said that can count on luck i'm not one of those guys i'm definitely not <laughs> for those for those listening walt's pointing at chase <laughs> um so i had uh bow season was tough i saw one doe opening morning um i had a quota permit it's kind of a joke that this place is a quota mm -hmm. um Saw a doe, she was about 60 yards, never saw another deer that hunt. Um, and I didn't see another deer on stand until opening week in a muzzleloader. Uh, I wasn't really super confident in that spot, but I kind of just ran out of time. Uh, so I decided to sit there anyways. Uh, Nick was hunting nearby. I think his dad was hunting nearby. It's, it's a popular spot. Mm -hmm. um, my, my wife was hunting I don't know, three, 350, 350 yards from me, I guess. And uh, the second, the first morning was actually incredible. Uh, I don't know if I would call it 100% rut activity, but it sure did look like it. I mean, mm -hmm. four bucks chasing a doe around wow. in, a, in a wide open area. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was phenomenal, really. Um, so no shots, never had them. You know, we're hunting with a muzzleloader. Uh, there's probably a lot of people that will that would shoot a deer out uh, out past 200 with a muzzleloader. I haven't had that much experience with one, so I wasn't that comfortable. Um, the next morning, had a buck come out in front of me in uh, in some in some brush, and I was trying to wait for him to walk out of it, thinking he was walking. Is that perpendicular to me? Is that going this way? Is that perpendicular? Yeah, parallel. Is that per whatever? Whatever. You know what I mean. He was walking near you. But he was actually walking away from me, and there's a lot of tall grass, and he walked out of this patch of brush into that tall grass, and all I could see was head and neck, but he was heading towards my wife. Right. So I was like, let me just let me just let let me just not chance it, and hopefully he'll walk and give her a shot. Literally, as soon as he disappears out of my life, boom, and I'm starting to get stoked. Well, unfortunately, somebody had backdoored us and come in across on the other side of the open oh, area no. and shot it. It was Nick. <laughs> it, it wasn't Nick, but Nick knows him. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I was super, I was a little pissed, to be honest with you, uh, not going to lie. Uh, but it happens. It's public land, you know. Yeah. Uh, ended up riding on their tailgate on the way out, which just made it worse. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, so saw some more deer that hunt and uh just just never could make it happen um i had one more opportunity later in the season on a hunt in which i had an antlerless tag and i had a spike at 25 yards with my muzzleloader and just this sounds dumb but in this spot he literally has the chance to get big uh like a buddy of mine the week before killed a 115 inch buck out of the same wow. tree you know 
Um, and I actually, I went against everything I believe in, in, in letting him walk. I, I literally went against everything I believe in. Um, so ha- no success, but still in my eyes, a very successful season. Learned a lot. No, no, some changes I'm going to make to gear this year. Obviously saddle hunting is probably going to be in my arsenal. Uh, has no reason to be now that I've, I've won this, uh, prize pack. Thanks to you guys. Yeah. And yeah. tethered. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add more trail cameras this year, and I'm probably going to try and scout a lot more. I don't know if that's possible, but I'm going to try. Well, okay, so from accomplished to aspiring, and I don't mean that in a slightful way, but he's in year two. What in year three do you think? What You kind of know about the the type of – he's hunting areas that look very similar to this, just flatter and maybe it's not much different, right? Um, Where we hunt, there's not as much – planted pines there's actually a lot of oaks where we hunt um a lot of swamps okay so it is i would say it is kind of a bit different yeah okay, but it is right. still florida like you said right. it's flat terrain um and stuff like that what do you what, do you, what would you he, he comes to you and says oh wise one year three what should i be looking to <laughs> i think early on for me what made a big difference was um actually finding deer scat and hunting them places and putting cameras in those places and found I was getting on a lot more deer by going off of that versus trails or signs, especially oh, interesting. Especially early season or bow season. That is definitely something that I've, I've thought of and, and, and planning on implementing. I'll say another thing that I'm going to be doing is uh, whatever app you guys use. I mean, some people use HuntStand. I use mm-hmm. Onyx. Um, I think you guys do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Some some of the guys that I've that have taken me under their wing, uh, they will will not walk past any deer sign and not mark it on their Onyx. I usually wait till I find large quantities of deer sign in an area to yeah. start marking it. Whereas this year, if I walk down a road just like this one here and I see a deer track, I'm gonna mark it. Just because um, I did a podcast with a guy, uh, his name's Caleb Hood. He comes from our area and another just public land killer. And we had a late season hunt that. If, unless you're going to save up years and years of points, you're probably never going to draw this place. So I had the opportunity to hunt it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, he I sent me a you. screenshot of his of his Onyx map, and and you can just I mean it's just littered with 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 pins. Right. So that's definitely something I'm going to be doing this year for sure. Well, there's a little bit of difference in their hunting. Brett is hunting an area where he can hunt. The whole season. Yes. When you're yes. on quota hunts, yes. you yeah. get three five yeah. day hunts. Yeah. So there's yeah. quite a bit different that kind of goes into that. Yes. Yeah. When I meant different, I was talking like terrain wise. Like what he sees here isn't very much different. But you're yeah, right. you're, you're totally you're right. Yeah. He can he can sell out to a unit because he has the luxury of hunting hunting it whenever he wants to, which is an inherent challenge that we faced in Florida. Yeah. There's where, a lot of places that are quota yeah. only here. Yeah. Yeah. For good and bad reasons, I think. Uh, done poorly and well both yes, at the same exactly. time right yeah. like the one place we we're talking about the pipeline unit it, it definitely <laughs> is managed the right way so it's worth that time other places don't and you see a stagnant or decline of of, of wildlife it's not treated like it's a quality unit it's not tra- sure. they don't uphold their own standards with what they allow to be shot mm-hmm. and as a result it, it's not worth it being what it what it's what it's labeled as right right um which is frustrating it's a very frustrating thing to be a sportsman and have some of these units be so selective and yet you get so little time to really how do you sell out on something that you're going to hunt for four days well and that's the problem is is a lot of time i mean you can put as much scouting in as you want but sometimes you there there ha, there is a little bit of situational luck involved because you only have three four five days to get it done you know right yep hmm. but brett I- <laughs> <laughs> getting attacked yeah, we're getting he, just got, hit, he just got hit by a stingerless bee um what year did you see the most growth? That's my last question for you. Like, what year did you really be like, oh, I'm doing something right? Probably probably about four years after hunting okay. public land. Gotcha. Which I, I started out hunting on leases. Same. And uh, I think most people did. Kind of yeah. lost all leases and mm-hmm. stuff like that and started hunting public land. And it, it took a little while. Yeah, leases got expensive too. They were out. cheap when I was growing up. Yes. Well, and it's like when you spend eighteen hundred dollars or two grand or whatever. I mean, there's leases down by us that go for ten, fifteen, twenty grand a year. Yeah. You know, that that's not in my pocketbook. I know it might be in yours, Walt, but it's definitely not in mine. Uh, so if you pay eighteen hundred, two grand, and uh, 
you don't see no deer it's like you know it makes it hard to keep shelling that money out yeah. which which was for me you know two years ago we got on a lease up in north florida and it just wasn't it wasn't what it could have been. yeah it could have been in my opinion yeah. um and didn't really like the leaseholder and and mm-hmm. just said you know what we're just gonna we're just gonna hunt public you know the the worst thing about those expensive leases is a lot of times it's it's already mismanaged property because it's just there's just timber that's all they care yeah. about you can't roll any controlled burns through there right the only food plots you can put in are, are in between rows or an old cutover and, yep. and god forbid you put in the food plot and then they decide to do some kind of timber work and right. tear it all After up you spent you know? several hundred dollars yeah. and hours of time yeah. putting it in and it's so like for me like I, if i found the right like small parcel of property i might slip somebody a couple hundred bucks to hunt it right but uh, by and large man i'd rather spend three hundred dollars and go hunt with brent or Four hundred dollars and go hunt Georgia. You know, it's like I it already feeds a part of me anyways, that sense of adventure, striking off to a new area, seeing what I can find, doing it on my own accord, you know. I mean, um also I think I I really hate having to share it with people because it's like I wanna go over there, but I don't want to upset my buddy. My buddy might call me, you know, a thief Mm -hmm, for going over there and shooting the deer. And so then it's like, you know, all these damn politics, you know, with public land, more or less get there first and it's yours. You know, more Mm -hmm, or less. You know, get there first, and you've got that spot to yourself, unless Nick backdoors you, and then you know I mean, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, well, okay, you two have been awful quiet. Let's talk. I mean, you kind of talked about your deer season already on the podcast. Mm-hmm. What about you, sir? Ah, uh, it was it was a little slow. I was really busy this deer season. I didn't get to hunt um, probably half as much as I have in years past. But um, I started off. I had a pretty good quota hunt. Actually, my favorite hunt to draw, it's it's close to my house there, and I've scouted it a lot, hunted it for several years, and kind of feel like I finally figured it out. Um, and this year, the, the, the sign was down, and, uh, you know, I ran some cameras in there, didn't get the pictures that I normally got either. Um, I let does walk just about every day, just about every set, actually. And finally, on the Big last mistake. day, I, uh, <laughs> I shot a doe on the last day just uh, put a little bit of meat in the freezer and then I kind of swapped over to trying to get, put my little cousin on a deer and uh, so that probably coolest thing I got to do all year was self yeah self film but I filmed my little cousin uh getting to shoot his first deer with a bow and it was this coolest thing um I was in a saddle he was in a lock-on and uh it, you know he he's had several close calls and he's hunting with me for two years now so for him to finally get that opportunity made a great shot uh really was an awesome hunt really cool story made a good video so i mean that made my season just just that so but give it give them another shameless plug as to where they can go find that yeah video. You, you got if you guys want to see it you can go see it at uh central fl outdoors on youtube uh that's my it's my channel make sure to subscribe yeah yeah like and subscribe hit, the, hit that all little bell notification so you get notifications bell. every all time we drop a video. we ain't proud we ain't, we ain't proud uh, like comment <laughs> share with your no uh no it is a good video that's why i got excited when you brought yeah. that up because i'd completely uh forgotten that until just now that was a great video man that yeah. was fun it was, was a fun hunt man he put a, a dope shot on that deer if oh I recall. man i mean he's shooting he's shooting like 35 pounds and complete pass through sticking in the dirt six inches on the other side uh, it was incredible yeah, made a great that's shot. nice out of a 35-pound bow, for real. Mm-hmm. Boys, like, pulling back those little, like, Dollar General, yeah. like, string <laughs> yeah. bows with the suction cup. I pulled oh, back yeah. I pulled back one the other day, and I about dang near ripped the daggum cams off of it. I just, like, snatched it back. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I about busted his bow. But. Well, when he shot it, too, I mean, obviously I knew he hit it because I heard it, but I said, man, I, I have no idea where he hit it. Uh, I was like, man, we're going to just give it some time and wait. I went back and watched the video. And I said, dude, you smoked him. Like, <laughs> you ten ringed him. He's smoked down. <laughs> He's, let's go get him. Right. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I, you know, I'm getting kind of I'm, I'm getting to where I really enjoy these little, like, spring roundtable discussions that we're doing now. Because last year we did it at the saddle event. This year we did it. First off, I like doing these in person. I'm, we need to start traveling around to, to meet people and do these in person. But yeah, they're fun. They are. But I, I really enjoy Because, like, last year um, I did a lot of uh, whining on the podcast the saddle because it was i was so frustrated with florida trying to get on deer and and and, and whatnot and it feels like uh we're here for you brother don't worry thank you thank you yeah yeah we need we need Sport like a group. we need like a florida yeah. deer hunters anonymous or yeah. something you know where we can all get together and complain to sponsored by a beer company wine light um but yeah no i think uh i think this is fun i, I really enjoy it i i'm looking forward to it this fall is going to be trying for me because i'll have i'll have my first child my first son mm-hmm. on the way 
Um, I've been told uh, that I'll still get to get out to hunt plenty. Um, you need to hold her to that now. I, I'm, I'm putting it into audio form <laughs> yes, on purpose. I, I, of plenty, yeah, yeah, I, I need to get either. written permission, right? Yes. Yeah, like FWC wants you to have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on that docket of things that are coming down the pipe, I'm, I'm, I think we're going to try and put trying to put together some kind of group hunt for Patreon. We'll see if that comes to fruition this fall or in the spring. Yeah. Um, logistically, that's kind of a nightmare for our group. Uh, people are scattered everywhere. But uh, North Georgia bear hunt, and then I'm probably going to be selling out on Southwest Georgia again and putting some time into that. And you know, I've trying done to... that North Georgia bear hunt. It's pretty cool. Huh? I've done that North Georgia bear yeah. hunt. It's pretty cool. We, we found some really hot bear sign, hot and old bear we'll sign. talk about when we press the record button again about where. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I I want it's gonna be a muzzleloader hunt, and um, so you're going for the earlier one then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We found a grove of white oaks that was just dropping like mad. Nice, um, nice. Big big spring, like this real dense area that's covered. That's got a spring in there, and there was bear sign all around where he was taking dead trees and ripping them down, and then pulling all the grubs out of them. So he's mm. there, I think, more or less year round. You can see all kinds of historical sign there. Um, so he or she, big or small, I don't know what the legal, what's legal in Georgia, you know? It's just uh, as long as she's uh, – it, well, it's been, it's been nine years or so since I've done it, but I think it was like – I don't know what, how, the, how you're supposed to tell this, but it, if she – I think something to do with like milk or cubs or gotcha. something like that. So, gotcha. I mean, pretty much everyone that was there was telling us as long as she don't have cubs, she's legal. Yeah, so. well, I think based on the size of the track, it's probably a boar. It's a it's a pretty size, pretty big good track. size. I mean, I mean, I haven't shot enough bear to know big from small, but it it seemed like a big old print. Um, I think you're right. I think in, I think in Georgia, it's just no cubs, and you yeah. can you can hammer yeah. down, and yeah. it's going to be smokeless. So if or black powder. So if uh, if I can get within black powder range with iron sights, then you know. Are you going to switch to blackhorn two hundred nine this year? Well, I just called you out, didn't I? I don't know that I want to do any switching with firearms I'm because you, all y'all you. spending so much daggum money buying up stuff left and right, <laughs> it is making it ridiculous. Chase brought me $90 worth of 7mm ammo, and it's three bullets. So, I mean, I'm just saying, uh, yeah, probably I will. It's yeah. worth it. I'll be honest with you. It's worth it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. You and everybody else. It's me. It's the me's out there. Oh, okay. I got you. I got it at a yard sale. But... Uh, yeah, no, I think I will make the switch. It, to it's so it's so much I, worth I, it. I just bought a whole thing of triple seven, so I'm like, eh, maybe I'm just gonna go ahead and burn through what I just spent thirty five dollars on. But at the same time, I don't know, man. I know. I don't know. I don't I, know. I made the switch last season, Sick. and and it was yeah. You it, did better too, right? performance. I did. Your gun's gun so much off. cleaner. So I was much say cleaner. You stick to it. Yeah, no, did you hear I'll, story? I'll swap with Walt. Uh-uh. I'll take the black horn. I'll take the. Would you make a swap? Have the black horn. You didn't like it. A gun didn't go off. I, I shot in the buck this that. year. Pap, the primer went off. The powder. I don't know if there was static electricity in there or not. Did you change your primer? The the oh, breech yeah. plug. You changed the breech yeah. plug. Yeah, yeah. I'm using really? the, the black horn breech plug Were and everything. Were you using 209 Magnum primers? Uh, I was oh. using no. Well, no, because I was using the recommended primers or okay. whatever so they told pro- me yeah, to use and uh, I had zero problem sighting it in. I mean, every shot, yeah. pow, pow, and then. I had something similar happen, but it it was uh, I sat through a, sat through a rain, right? And I don't have one of those little barrel uh-huh. condom things. I just yeah. kind of tie my face mask to it and point it downwards. You know, right. redneck engineering, water yep. goes down hills. Yep. Can't go in the hole if the hole's painted down. And uh, shot my gun to unload it, and it and it was like Sludge. the bullet rolled out of the end. Of it. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm really glad I did not shoot a deer with that. Yeah, well, more, you're really lucky you didn't I stop. I just reload mine after it rains. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, probably I a good idea. Take everything out. I probably yeah, should start over. I probably should have done that. Don't yeah. even play because buddy, same thing. He shot. He had one big buck came out, shot, and then it was just he had sludge in his gun. That's crazy from, from a rain, yeah. mm-hmm. and he left his charge in there for like a week or something. It was just all sludge in there. But I think the biggest reason why I want to go to two nine is so that it, yeah, I was about to say it's it's cleaner and it doesn't it's rust so the gun so much. Dude, it's unreal. Unreal. My guns are still loaded right now. Yeah, my guns are still loaded right now. Yeah, I ain't worried about it. 10, Not 15 shots, you don't, you don't have to run uh-huh. with it. I mean, just if you want to just take a bunch of shots. But. Yeah, yeah, because that, with that with that triple seven, you got to – After about two shots, you got to clean it real good. Pro, pro tip, if you want to – you can't leave it like this, but if you want to clean, quick clean patch through without having to use the expensive stuff, spray uh, Windex on your patch and push it through. 
it's got ammonia in it, so if you leave it in there, your whole barrel is going to be shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in between shots, as you're doing stuff, yeah, if you just right. want to throw something through it real quick, you can take that breech plug out, put the patch through with Windex, it'll clean it out, squeaky clean. But then you got to run some some hoppies or 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 ballast all right. or something through there afterwards to you know coat it. But it was it was y'all's podcast with uh, Tony Smotherman that really yeah. that really pushed me to get do that because mm-hmm. the year before I had just picked up a muzzle loader. Um, just for the just for the added opportunity to hunt, yeah. and I was using just some triple seven pellets, and I wasn't happy with the performance, um, and it was just so dirty, hmm. just so it's dirty. Just, it's just the dirtiness. Yeah. Well, oh, maybe I will go to a I don't know. Well, before we uh, get off the podcast, I think we need predictions from everybody for their 2021, 2022 deer <laughs> season. Okay. That's probably pretty fair. Two Jesus. two predictions for two the predictions. Season. Are we doing bold one, predictions? One, one regular, one bold. Okay, one regular, one bold. All right, I'll volunteer. My regular prediction is that Chase will once again grow tired of hunting in Florida and long for a midwestern hunt. <laughs> My bold prediction is that I will kill two rack bucks in Georgia this year that are eight points or bigger. Okay. That's factoring in knowing that I've got a kid. That's true. Yep. I think it's pretty bold. It's bold that you think you're going to get out at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, there you go. You could have said, I'm going to get out more than twice this year. Yeah. Yeah, "Yeah, "Yeah, that's super bold. Well, I was going for my Colin Cowherd, like real inflammatory bold predictions here. Okay. Beaches, go ahead. Uh, Two predictions. Two predictions. One regular and one bold. I'm going to come up with, uh, with one here. Um. I mean, I think that this could be the year, some of the pieces I've put together, that I kill my first registry. So I'm looking for that. Um, I think last time I was sitting at this table, I made a prediction about number of deer. But really this year, I'm looking for that one good buck. Um, registry in Florida, for anybody who doesn't know, is 100 inches. Yeah, 100 inches, Boone and Crockett. So that's that's what I'm looking for. I, that'd be my bold prediction. Um, I'd say I, I'm going to kill... A buck with my bow um, in a very particular spot that I know of um, opening weekend is is my I would say less bold prediction. Gotcha. But all right, Taylor. I really don't like this. Um, I'm probably gonna say I'll kill my first public land deer this year. I think that's probably my uh, non-bold prediction. Yep. Bold prediction is probably. I think Mrs. Willis kills a just a giant. I agree, dude, honestly. I, I, really I think she just. I think that's actually a pretty regular prediction. I just feel like she's just going to hammer something out of that, <laughs> out of that phantom. <laughs> she's just going to. Yeah. yeah, the saddle's going to change it. Yeah, probably so. She's, she's I got hope some it does. Of that luck. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Five hundred and fifty dollars worth. Of, no, that's more than that. Actually, yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. close to seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Seven to eight. Yeah. Saddles yeah. two fifty. <laughs> platforms one hundred and. 80, 80 or 90 or Does something. Does a cinder, yeah. Ropemans, 60 bucks, right? Kong, yeah, Kong, 60 Kong, Kong Duck, it was 50, 70, 60, yeah. yeah. Oh, she got the Kong Duck. She got the Kong right. Duck, so and she bucks. got the 8 millimeter rope, yeah. And then the the pack, too, right? Predator that's, pack. And she got the Predator pack, yeah. Golly. And Chase touched it before he handed it to her, so yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> extra. that's That's worth <laughs> Guaranteed registry is worth that. Yeah. There's a lot of people that pay tip. Never mind. <laughs> Slow burn. <laughs> there. Uh, there it is. All right, Brett. He my, was deep in thought over there, yeah, so he's yeah, got a humdinger coming. <laughs> yep. My prediction is kill a mature buck uh, this coming season, say four and a half or older. Okay. Then wow. my bold prediction is going to be to tag out in Alabama and kill an state buck. That's so. That's so three bucks in Bama. In a bonus in Bama. buck. And a bonus buck. At a state. I go. Missouri? Is that yeah. where you're headed? Oh, boy. That's that's legit. That's Parker McDonald level stuff. I right wouldn't there. have <laughs> missed that one buck this year. I would have tagged out in Alabama and mm-hmm. killed that buck in Missouri. So. And you do I'm, all that with your bow, too, don't you? Yes, I'm bow yeah. hunting only strictly. There you go. That's bold. That's fiery. I don't have the patience for that. Buffalo <laughs> wild wing stuff right there. <laughs> all right, Hoss. Uh, you know, regular prediction, uh, I'll tag out. I'll tag out before Chase on public land this year. <laughs> <laughs> bold. Uh, I'll actually deep. start turkey hunting and outdo Walt. Hey. <laughs> I want to go bold. There you go. <laughs> Quality you over quantity. Quality <laughs> over quantity. That's right. 
Um, our regular prediction is I'm going to get two solid uh, hunts on camera. Oh, like, wow. Gonna, oh, I like how you I'm change that up a little bit. two solid yeah. hunts on camera mm-hmm. uh, for the YouTube channel. Nice. Kind of bring some more attention to Florida. We've mentioned earlier there's not a lot of Florida content out Agreed. there. So I want to get two just two good hunts on camera. Good stories. Uh, yeah. Will be my regular prediction. Okay. It's not even <laughs> yeah. bold, bold prediction. I will kill a deer 140 or better this year. Not necessarily in Florida, but I will kill a deer 140 or better this year. Hot dog. I need. I want to break into that 140 range. I think it's time. It's so high time. If it's Florida, it's Florida. But what's Are that? You going out of state. Uh, I got plans to go out of state uh, this season, <laughs> but not necessarily the Midwest, though. Sure. It'll be in the South somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. We're unless here, unless right? somebody invites me to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's silent. He doesn't have to invite me. (laughs) Oh, hey. I know what a truck looks like now. I'm not sharing. (laughs) That's great. Oh, man. Well, guys, I appreciate you. First off, driving as far as you did, hanging out with us, swapping saddle stories, taking the time to podcast. I mean, y'all got some – well, you got a long drive home. Yeah. Two two hours. Two hours. So – Guys, we really appreciate you tuning in each and every week to listen to us jab on about different things. I can foresee several different podcasts coming down the pipe just from this this one dialogue. I see adventures coming as well. And uh, I have one simple request. No matter what you do this week, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.